morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. Thank you for your faithfulness. Amen. (laughs) Oh, praise the Lord. Well, we've been in a series, and we said that this is what's going to be our summer series, and it didn't really uh, turn out to or tend to be that way, but as I just began to search my heart, it just seemed right that this summer we would be addressing this issue or our series, which we are calling Breaking the Back of Lack. And if you recall, in the last several weeks, we've been talking about different areas that lack or poverty impacts our lives. And if you recall, in these last several weeks, we have not talked about money at all. In fact, money or finances is one of the most insignificant parts of really how poverty or lack can impact our lives. And we said that there's a lot of different areas that we can experience lack or poverty, can't we? And obviously, we've been looking at that. So we're going to continue to do that this morning. But in doing so, I want to begin to set it up by simply acknowledging the season that we're in. And obviously, uh, it is July 1st today, so happy July 1st. Uh, It's always a good month in July because it's my birthday month. (laughs) Yeah, my wife, she, you know, makes me my... Blueberry, blueberry cheesecake, you know, that's just my thing, you know. So anyways, I am, uh, I'm going to be a, a young man still this year. I'm still young, feeling good. <laughs> my wife might beg the difference. She might say, you know, boy, you're getting old. <laughs> In fact, uh, yeah, just speaking of that, uh, I don't know, I think it was yesterday or the day before she was looking at me. She went to pick something from my hair and she goes, oh, that's just gray hair. Sorry. <laughs> so it's showing up a lot more. And so anyways. Uh, my, my, my daughter says, why do you put that brown stuff in your hair? Because I'm gray. I gotta be. <laughs> Anyways, praise the Lord. Too much information. You didn't know that about me. And don't tell nobody. All right? Well, praise the Lord. So as I said, this is coming into July 1st. And this season or this week, it's 4th of July week, isn't it? And 4th of July is obviously a holiday. It's a national holiday. It's a holiday that we celebrate the Declaration of Independence. Right? Maybe you didn't know what that meant or what 4th of July was all about, but it is the celebration or the recognition of the Declaration of Independence, where we declared our independence or freedom, right? And how many of you know that the Declaration of Freedom or Independence was based upon the pursuit of God? It wasn't for the purpose of breaking away from a country so that we could be our own people. It was because they wanted to worship God rather than being dictated to as to have a a legalistic political view of Christianity. It was we want to be able to worship God freely, right? And so when we look at that word of independence... To define it, it simply means this, freedom from outside control or support, not influenced or controlled by others in matters of opinions and conduct and etc. So again, the declaration of independence or independence means freedom without being forced to do something that I don't want to do. And as I said, it was in the pursuit 
of a relationship with God. Now, that whole idea of declaration or the declaration of independence or experiencing independence ties right along with what we've been talking about. And our text scripture that we've been talking from the last several weeks is Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. He says this, he says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Everybody say liberty. He says, you've been called to liberty. Only do not use this liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. So everything about our independence is to experience the ability to have freedom and liberty. But we said in regards to that word liberty, it means to experience privilege, immunity, and exemption. Right? Now, in our modern culture, that has taken a turn. Because the original purpose of it was, again, to pursue God. But in our modern culture, there is a big outcry for independence. And in this outcry of independence, it's with the disguise, if you will, of inclusion. But in reality, in this idea of inclusion and experience and independence, it's not for the purpose of serving or loving individuals. It's all for the pursuit of selfishness or the flesh. Does that make sense? I mean, just look at the media, look at the nightly news and all of the things that they are fighting about, crying about, making all kinds of noise about. It's all about these independences that we believe belong to us, but it's all about the selfish needs of flesh, not with the intent to serve and love people. Yet it comes under that umbrella and they try to disguise it as though we're doing this for mankind. Are you tracking with me? And so it is taking a big shift in the ideas of what independence was all about. There is a cry for privilege. There is a cry for exemption. There is a cry for immunity. But the reality is, is all that they're crying for and demanding is not working. I said it's not working in our country. It's not working amongst the family. We're not experiencing privilege and immunity and exemption the way that God designed it to be. It's not working. In fact, in regards to that pursuit of God, today, what we saw it to mean in the past or that declaration of independence, and it's not working today, so we could say it's not reaching today. Remember what we said the definition of poverty or lack is? Is when it doesn't reach. All the outcries of independence, it's not reaching. How do I know it's not reaching? Because statistics show us that it's not. Let me give you a couple of statistics. I've told you before, I like numbers because numbers really paint a big picture. In this outcry for independence in our modern culture is to make people feel included or to feel as though they belong. But listen to these statistics. Nearly half, 47% of Americans report sometimes or always feeling alone or left out. Almost 50% 
Half of our nation says we don't feel like we're a part of anything and we feel like we're alone. Can anybody relate? One out of four, 27% say that they rarely or never feel as though they are people who really or have people in their lives that really understand them. Two in five 43% say sometimes or always they feel that their relationships are not meaningful and that they're isolated from others. Only around half of Americans, 53% say that they have meaningful and personal relationships, that they have interactions, that they have conversations, that they have friends and have quality time with other individuals. And the statistics show that Generation Z, which is this new generation between the ages of 18 and 22. Come on, these are the leaders of the future. The Z generation are the loneliest people that have ever walked on the face of the earth. They are the loneliest generation and they, it's claimed that they are in worst health Than the older generation. Come on. For a culture that is screaming. And making so much noise for independence. And for inclusion. There is an overwhelming. Number of individuals that say. I feel alone. I feel like nobody relates to me. I feel like I don't have. Any way to connect with people. I don't really feel like I have the ability to communicate or have relationships that are meaningful in my life. But yet we're around people all the time. Something's wrong. Something's not reaching. There is an expression of poverty and lack that this nation is facing. But yet we're blind to it. There's a cry for independence. But there's all kinds of people that are lonely. There's a cry for inclusion, but there's all kinds of people that are experiencing lack of personal relationships. Well, you realize that the day and the age that we're living in, it's just a ploy of the enemy. It always has been. But the Bible says that Jesus is coming very soon. And you realize that the Bible also tells us that if people would come into agreement, there's nothing that could withstand them that there's power in agreement and so the bible tells us that god's just waiting for the body of christ or the church to reach those people that don't know him he's waiting for his church to reach and build relationships with people that are apart from christ right and he says i'm looking to come for a church without spot or wrinkle that is a glorious church So it only stands to reason that the enemy is going to up his game in the last days before Jesus comes. Because he doesn't want there to be people to truly experience immunity, exemption, or privilege that we as believers know. Here's what the Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Notice he says, the enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I like watching National Geographic and all those animal programs. I mean, I can sit there and watch 
a program out in the rainforest. You know, it just it, it interests me. My wife says, oh, you're watching that show about trees again, huh? <laughs> She's never been one to enjoy that kind of thing. But I like sitting and watching it. And I can tell you that any time that I've ever watched those, in fact, you know, you'll see those on Facebook, maybe those little uh, videos that pop up, like greatest attacks of wild animals, you know. And so you'll see the lions that are attacking, you know, the other prey. Have you ever noticed that a lion does not go after the most healthy, the strongest, the alpha male of the pack? What's he do? A lion is seeking... And looking for the one that is weak, the one that is feeble, the one that maybe is straggling behind or maybe a little bit alone. And the moment that they get alone and isolated and weak, what do they do? The enemy or the the lion pounces on them, right? So the Bible says that the enemy is just like that with you. He's looking for those that are weak, those that are insecure, those that are going through some hard times, those that have begun to isolate themselves, and he begins to work on them. Amen? He begins to work on those individuals that start to seclude themselves. And if you didn't, or if you've watched those programs, you once again, you'll see that the lion or the one that's on the hunt, they'll wear down that prey until they can't go any longer. And did you ever notice that when they catch their prey, they don't kill them instantly. They grab them by the throat and just hang on. And so it's a slow, lingering death. What's the enemy do to you? He gets a chokehold on you. And he wears you down. And he wears you down. And he wears you down until you feel like there's no hope. You track it with me? Has anybody ever been there? Because listen, it's not... An overnight thing. It's subtle. As I said, the enemy begins to work on you and work on you and work on you till the point that you get weak and just finally feel like giving up. Right? And notice he says, be sober minded. Where does the enemy attack? It's in your mind. That's the battlefield. That's where he likes to come against you. Right? He'll come and he'll bring a thought. He'll bring a thought as, you know, it looks like that growth is getting bigger. And you might just have a little mosquito bite, but somehow he keeps talking and you're thinking, dear God, I might have cancer. Right? Or the spouse gets home a little bit late and he starts talking in your ear and says, well, why did they get home late? What have they been doing? And so you start thinking. Right? Or you go to pay a bill and you look in the bank account and you think, well, the money I thought was there. And then you start asking all kinds of questions. And then the devil sits on your shoulder and he starts saying, well, yeah, they've been spending money. Where have they been spending that money on? And the enemy continually attacks and attacks and attacks your thought life to the point that it wears you down to where you begin to isolate yourself. Right? To withdraw from a spouse, withdraw from your church family, withdraw from work. Have you ever been in that position where it just seems like life is so overwhelming that you call in to work and say, I can't come in today. I bet every single one of us have experienced that in some form or fashion. I just can't deal today. What do you do? You curl up in a ball and 
to sleep. Why? Because the enemy has begun to isolate. He's begun to work on your thought life. And if we're not careful, he'll convince you that you're the only person that has ever experienced something like that. Right? Somebody said, well, why didn't you say something? Because the enemy has caused me to believe that nobody would understand my story. Or they start thinking that if I was to say anything to anybody, they would judge me. Right? And we isolate ourselves. The statistics show that nearly 50% of U.S. citizens feel like they're alone. Another thing that I want to bring to our attention is that in regards to our thought life, your thought life or your mind is connected to your soul. And your soul is connected to your emotions. Have you ever noticed that when your thought life starts to get a little bit, little bit squirrely on you, your emotions are up and down, right? Have you ever been in one of those kind of positions where maybe it was waiting for the doctor report, maybe it was going to the doctor, or some scenario where it began to really stress you out, and all you did was sit and wait. Maybe you were just by yourself at home. But you find that you are extremely exhausted and you didn't exert any energy at all. Why? Because your mind or your thought life is connected to your soul or your emotions. And it will cause you to feel up and down one side and the other just because we give place to the enemy talking in our ear. Right? Now, he says be sober minded. Now, it's interesting that he says to be sober minded. Because when your mind is going squirrely on you, and when it's going squirrely on you long enough, eventually it's really easy to look for a way of escape, to numb the, the pain, to stop feeling this way. I don't want to think this way anymore. I'm tired of being depressed. And we start to look for ways to medicate those feelings and try to diminish those thoughts. He says, be sober minded. Listen to these statistics. 115 people die every day because of overdoses from opioids. Opioid overdoses increased by 70% between the years of 2005 to 2007. By 70%. Just a year. One year... Something happened in the realm or the arena of opioids or prescription drugs. And it increased by 70% people that were losing their life. Why? Because people are looking to escape. And he says, now, be careful because it's in these moments when the enemy is going to be working on your mind. Causing you to feel alone and isolated. That's the time you need to be on guard to be sober minded. Listen to this one. Daily marijuana use has increased from 501 million in 2007, or let me, I'll say it this way. In 2005, it was roughly 5.1 million people that were using marijuana daily. By 2002, just two years later, it was up to 8.1 million individuals that were using marijuana on a daily basis. And today... In 2018, that are using regularly 30 
3 million. Come on, that is staggering. But I thought we were independent, free, privileged, exempt people. Well, there's a lot of people that are looking for freedom and liberty and escape this thought of, I am alone, I am by myself, I need help. Are you here this morning? Alcoholism is the number one consumed substance. And it's increasing more and more and it's the most abused. Why? Remember we talked last week. We said that when it comes to this life of walking with God and experiencing privilege, it's not about living in the present if all I do is live in the present, I have nearsightedness. But when I step out beyond this day and begin to trust God, it gives me farsightedness to see through my moment. Because God's not just causing me to go through this life. He's given me the power to go through. Does that make sense? And so there's all kinds of people that are looking to experience freedom. And God says, you don't have to be Surrounded and enslaved by the present circumstance. Because I've given you a way of escape. We were never meant to be alone. God made us to have personal interaction. In fact, that's what God said. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. Aren't you glad? Now, every one of us are made differently. Some of us like interaction on smaller spurts. And some just like being around people all the time. But God made us to have a desire for personal interaction. He never meant for us to be alone. Now listen to these studies. They probably spent millions of dollars on this study. Studies show that those that are intentional in spending time with people are less lonely. Wow. Isn't that one just a major revelation? Studies have shown that the people that are intentional to spend time with people are less lonely. Wow. So it means you've got a purpose to spend time with people. Those people that have interaction with their family, they're less lonely. And those that have purpose are less lonely. Well, once again, how did God intend us to live this life? He didn't intend us for us to go through this life having lack and poverty in the area of this life of feeling alone. He meant for this life to be experienced with other people, having relationships, building relationships, and ultimately building the kingdom. Therefore, if we understand God's heart, we can begin to break the back of lack. The number one reason why people don't come to church is because they don't feel like they have relationships with people. I don't fit in. I don't connect. Right? But we can be intentional. How do I break the back? Let me give you some tools here. How do I break the back in my life? Number one, be a friend. We said those that are intentional in building relationships are less likely to be lonely. So number one, be a friend. Is that scriptural? Absolutely. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. It says, a man who is a friend must himself be friendly. But there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. So what did he say? If you want friends, be a friend. And then he says, and not just mere friends 
of human interaction. He says there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and that's Jesus. Remember that song? You've got a friend in me. Remember that one? What show was that on? Toy Stories, right? Yeah. Amen. So if you want friends, be a friend. Be intentional. It's interesting how people will come to church and they'll say, you know what? Nobody ever talks to me. I don't ever seem to fit in. I just don't seem to get to do what other people do. As though they're waiting for somebody to extend an invitation. Just introduce yourself. Just get involved. We have sign-up sheets all the time. All you got to do is put your name on a sign-up sheet and somebody will call you. Right? If you just want somebody to call you, we're going to put a sheet out there and say, I want somebody to call me. We'll have somebody talk to you, all right? Amen. You've got to be intentional. Our, our oldest daughter, she is extremely uh, shy. She's coming out of that. But one of the things that we do to work with her in building relationship is to help her be intentional. My youngest daughter and my son, they're, they're more outgoing. They don't have so much uh, uh, shyness about them. But my oldest daughter, she just is a little more introverted. And so we'll talk to her. Who are you spending time with at school? She goes, well, there's this one girl. Well, did you talk to her? Did you play with her? No. Why not? Well, she didn't talk to me. So here's what we'll do. We'll say, here's your assignment. Go say hi to her today and tell her your name. I would tell her, listen, this isn't me giving you a request. I'm telling you, go introduce yourself. So you're a little strong with her, but what are you doing? You're putting her out there and causing her to invest herself. I remember my grandfather. He would take us out shopping for our birthdays all the time. And I don't know if you remember back in the day, uh, you know, Kmart. Kmart used to be the big store around. And they used to have these shoes called Tracks. Anybody remember Tracks, Kmart shoes? Oh, man, they were so cool. And I remember my cousin and I, we went to, uh, tra- uh, went to Kmart to get these Tracks. And they were blue with yellow stripes on them. And we said, okay, Gramps, that's, that's the shoes we want. He says, okay, there's the lady. What do you mean there's the lady? There she is. Go ask her to help you. Well, you do it. He's, they're your shoes. If you want the shoes, you go talk to the lady. And so he forced us out of our comfort zone to go engage ourselves with the sales lady. Oh, we would like these shoes. What's your shoe size? I don't know. Right? What was he doing? He was causing us to be interactive, to invest ourselves. And so once again, if you're going to purpose to be a friend to somebody, you've got to engage. And what do you do? You engage around common interests. Do you golf? Do you hunt? Do you fish? Do you like coffee? There's all kinds of things that you can just say, hey, you want to go get a cup of coffee? Hey, I can buy you a coffee at GVC. And just get to know somebody. If you want to, be a, want to have friends, be a friend. Can you say amen? Number two, stay connected with family. Stay connected with family. There's two sides to that. Your natural family and your church family. You realize that life is too short for you to hang on to stuff? Isn't it sad when you listen to people's stories and, and they're holding on to grudges that are 25 years old? I mean, get over it. Be the bigger person. Go the extra mile. Extend the olive leaf. Come on. This purpose to bridge those gaps. We've only got one family, right? Now, you may not have to spend all kinds of time with them. 
I mean, you might have to be selective, but don't dis- disqualify yourself from having a family because you took an offense. Get over it. Well, you don't know what they did to me. Do you know what they did to Jesus? If he had an excuse to not forgive, it would have been him. So therefore, we can say, all right, God, if they did it to you, they did it to me. But nevertheless, I'm going to choose to forgive as well. Come on. Are you out there? You've only got one family. Don't bridge the, uh, burn the bridges between your kids and your parents and siblings. Come on. Take this opportunity to not be isolated and be alone. Love on them. Serve them. When you say, well, I, I'm just going to stay in my little corner. Oh, so then you're going to use your privilege and your exemption and your immunity for yourself. It's being selfish. See, it says that in order to use this privilege, I got to love and serve. Oh, I got to do that? <laughs> yeah. If you want to be right with God. Right? I got to choose to forgive. Amen. Choose to forgive those ones that hurt you to the core. Come on, I, I, I may have shared this with you before, but in the past, there's been ministry staff that have hurt me and where, man, it just really burnt me for a while. And, and, and God had to deal with me. He said, you're holding on to that grudge or you're holding on to that offense. I said, well, no, I choose to forgive him. And then God began to reveal some things to me. And he says, now, if I chose to forgive them, does that mean that I remember it? And I said, well, no, you said you forget it. And he says, well, then why do you keep remembering every time you think about them? I go, huh. Okay. It's not easy, but it's a choice. I can choose to do life alone or I can choose to do life with people. Amen. Secondly, there's the family of God. God desires for us to experience the ability to build relationships through the family of God. And this is where I find my purpose. You realize that your purpose is not about having the big house and the nice car. Those are just the perks of being in the family of God. But he says your whole purpose is to build my family. Right? And as we begin to build the family of God and grow, we'll find that we are not alone. Because there's a greater purpose. My purpose is found in building the family of God. Does that mean you're not going to have problems? Oh, you're going to have problems till the day you die. But your problems won't seem so big when you start helping somebody else. When you find purpose to love on somebody else, those things that you deal with, you're like, ah, why am I just letting that mess with me? Why am I letting that keep me isolated and feel alone? Everybody's got stuff, right? Amen. What time we got? All right, I'm going to share this with you. In Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says that the body of Christ makes up the fullness of God. Right? So we together make up the fullness of who He is. Now let me share something with you in Acts chapter 2. This was... This is just something additional. It wasn't in my notes, but I just think you, you might enjoy this. Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that concerning the body of Christ, when they came together, notice what it says here. It says, as they came together, now all of them believed, or who believed, were together. 
They had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided among them all as anyone had need. So they continued daily in one accord in the temple, breaking of bread from house to house, and they ate the food, and gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When you're a part of the family of God and you find your purpose in that family, the Bible says that everybody's needs are met. That everybody has everything in common. What's the thing in common? We just have a heart to serve one another. And it's not a matter of what I'm deficient in because when I'm about God's purpose, God meets the need. Amen? And then number three, the last thing. My pursuit for Jesus. How do I break the back of lack in my life when it comes to those moments and those times where I feel so alone? Pursue Jesus. Well, that's real easy to say, Pastor. Well, it's easy to do as well. You know, you people would say, it's easier said than done. Well, then just do it. Just do it. Just pursue him. Well, who's him? He is the Prince of Peace. He is the one that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In your darkest hour, in your most deepest hole, he's right there with you. Amen? The Bible speaks of Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. We said that the enemy is as a roaring lion. But the Bible says that in the midst of the lion's den, that God delivered him. Shut the mouth of the lion. Listen, the devil might be roaring. You might feel like you're a million miles from God. But God says when the enemy comes, he says, I'll shut his mouth. I'll take care of you. I'll bless you. I'll be with you. Psalms once uh, Psalms chapter 16 verse 11 says this you will show me the path of my life and in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand is pleasures forevermore those that pursue God find joy those that have a relationship with God are the ones that are the most lighthearted because they know him It always grieves my heart when you see people come back to church and listen to what I'm saying. Because oftentimes when you start seeing people come back to church, it's because life hit a crisis. All hell is broke loose. Things are falling apart. The marriage is in shambles. Finances are in in the toilet. And they're at their wit's end and they come back to church. And every single time, now listen to me, every single time that I have ever seen anybody come back to church as a result of what was going on in their life, 100% of the time, Jesus turned it around. Their life started getting better. There became peace of mind. Marriage started getting back together. Finances started to look better. And and security of life came up to the level that they never expected before. But do you know what happens when life starts getting good again? They said life starts getting good again. And they get back into the old rut of life. Because everything is good. 
The only reason that it got good is because you turned back to Jesus. You decided, I'm not going to do life being alone. I'm going to do it with Him. And God says, oh, that's what I've been waiting for. But too often times, when the going gets good, the good gets going. Don't be like that. Pursue God. Find your purpose. Invest in your family. Amen. Let's not do life alone. Let's never feel alone again. And if you feel alone, if that's you in this place, come on, I want to be a friend to you. And obviously I can't do for you what Jesus can, but I want you to know that we'll be here for you. We'll connect with you. Amen. Because God doesn't want you to do life alone. Let's do it together. Let's stand. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.